So I'm 18 years old and a friend of mine, Michael Dillon, invites me to what he calls a music festival, music festival, uh, which really turned out to be a bluegrass festival. And uh, I, I invite my girlfriend. So me and my girlfriend, like I said, we're like 18. I got my first car, powder blue, Dodge Dynasty, feeling like a baller, taking my girl to a music festival. Music festivals have all types of music, rock, punk, hip hop, uh, you know, techno, electric, whatever, and different stages. And I'm expecting we're going to have a great time. We're going to dance. We're going to, this is going to be awesome. We drive out for, seems like, an hour. Deep South Louisiana. We get off onto some dirt roads. I'm like, okay, this could be some type of Woodstock type music festival. I'm not really worried. But, uh, we get deeper, we get deeper, we get deeper. And next thing you know, we're out in the middle of the woods. We finally get to what looks like a festival, and it's not a music festival, quotation marks. It is a bluegrass festival. There's only white people there. Uh, me and my girl are the only black people, period, looking like uh, two specks of pepper and a salt shaker. And all of these people, you know, cowboy hats. I mean, it's, it's the deep south. So I'll say, you know what? Okay, we're not going to panic. We're not going to freak out. I know how to say y'all and start spitting. I could, you know, we can make this work. We can make this work. So we're there. Go to try to get a hamburger or a hot dog or something and tell baby, you sit here. I'm going to go grab us some food. Come out. Michael has just went off. Apparently he's there to meet some other girl. So he's there to meet a girl and he just, we're just tagging along with him because he didn't want to go meet this girl by himself. So we've been tricked. So I've been tricked and I've drug along my, my helpless girlfriend. So we're, we're there. She's sitting down. I'm going to get some food or something. I come back. This guy stops me. He says, you know about Jesus? Hey, I'm like, okay. Yeah, I know about Jesus. Now, mind you, this is the backwoods. All these people are probably the exact same religion and highly sensitive about, uh, their, their beliefs. Uh, and he said, do you know about Jesus? And I'm thinking, okay, we got some common ground here. I, I, I know about Jesus. And he starts talking about how you don't really need to be baptized. And I go, well, Jesus was baptized and uh, they preached baptism. And of course, there was a guy named John the Baptist. Um, so it's kind of kind of important. And he goes, what? What you talking about? My grandmama wouldn't baptize. You trying to say my grandmama going to hell? And I go, OK, I'm surrounded like three thousand to one, four thousand to one. And uh, I'm taking off their leader. This isn't good. Uh, so I just kind of try to back out of it. Well, uh, I'm not saying that I'm not God. I can't put people in heaven. I can't put people in hell. All I'm saying is your grandmama didn't do it like Jesus. At this point, I really felt like I needed to exit. And that's where we're going to start <laughs> today's. But this is a true story. It's this uh, crazy, crazy. So beware the music festivals. Um, anyway, so we're going to talk about baptism when we get back. All right, so did this man's grandmother go to hell? I don't know. Listen, I am not God. I can't. I don't have a heaven to put people in. I don't have a hell to put people in. I don't know what this guy's grandmother lived like. I don't know the condition of her heart or her faith. Only God, like when people say gays are going to hell, like, man, you're probably going to hell. Who knows? You know, you know, I'm like, I'm, I can't say that you probably are. I can't say you are. So I shouldn't say that. But the thing is, your judgment, your judgment is just as, you know, offensive to God as this man's uh, 
homosexuality. Like it's no big sin, little sin. So yes, he's gay, but you're a judgmental, uh, butthead. So I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, but I can't say that either of you are going to heaven. I can't say either of you are going to hell. So no, I don't know if this man's grandmother's going to heaven. I just don't know. But what I do know is what the Bible says about baptism. So we're going to talk about baptism. Some people say, well, baptism is really just an outward sign of an inward commitment. Well, yes, it is an outward sign of an inward commitment or inward feeling, but it's an outward sign that's extremely important. Some outward signs are very, very important. Romans 10, uh, verse five, for Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. Hmm. There you go. That is to bring Christ down or who will descend into the, to the abyss to hell. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart. A person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. Man, it could have just said he who believes in his heart is saved, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he who believes in his heart is saved. It says believe in his heart and confess with this mouth, this outward confession is an outward sign. But you see that this outward confession, it ends in verse 10, says results in salvation. So, yeah, this outward display of faith becomes critically important. So, yeah, baptism is just an outward display of an inward commitment. But that outward display would appear to be very important. But let's go back to the beginning. What is baptism? What is it physically? What is the physical Baptism. What is baptism physically? Mark one says this. John the Baptist appeared starting at verse four. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse five. And all the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were beginning or being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. So he's baptizing them in the Jordan River. So physically, it is just a man of God or woman of God dipping you in water, pulling you up pretty much saying some words, dipping you in water, pulling you up. This is this is physical baptism. You know, we baptize you for the remission of the sins, um, dunking, dunking you in some water. Some people say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Some people say in the name of Jesus, dunking you in the water, pulling you up. That is just physically you know, that's it. Man, and woman of God says some words, dunk you in water, pull you up physically. That is all that's going on. You're getting wet. That's it. Sorry to break the mystery. Physically, you just took a bath. That's all you did. <laughs> you just took a bath. If you were dirty, man, bam, that river just helped you out. If you got a dunk tank in your church, bam, dunked you. But I am. That's it. By wow. That's it. Sorry, no mystery there. Physically, that is all that's going on. But I I think there's a lot more going on spiritually, just like Romans 10, confessing with your mouth, resulting in salvation. The confessing is just saying some words. 
But there's something spiritually going on when you say these words that result in salvation. So let's look beyond the physical into what the spiritual ramification or what's going on behind the veil, as they say, um, when you're getting baptized. Colossians 2, starting at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. So don't just say, oh, it's just an outward sign of an inward expression. Hey, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you will you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgression, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Physically, you just got wet. Man or woman of God said some words, dunked you in the water, pulled you up, a bunch of people clapped. Physically, that's all that's happened. Spiritually, oh, so much more is happening. Then you're being buried with him in the baptism. And then you're being raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It says, and your transgressions have been nailed to the cross. Physically, you just got wet. Words were said. They dunked you. People clap. Physically, that's all that's happening. Spiritually, you have your sins, every sin you ever committed, being nailed to the cross. You're dying the death that Christ died just to be raised in the faith that Christ was raised in. Wow. Wow. That's just Colossians 2. Wait till you get to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humanity and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to persevere, to, excuse me, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in hope, one hope of your calling. Okay, verse five, you might recognize this one. One Lord. Let's start back at verse four. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, through all and in all. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Wow. Why is this mind blowing? Did you catch what just happened? This is one body. Body of Christ, one spirit, the Holy Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope. Of your calling. One Lord, God, Jehovah, one faith, what Jesus did at the cross, one baptism, the death and raising up of your faith and that your transgressions being nailed. All of your sins has been nailed to that cross. 
one God and one father, right? Jehovah of all who is over all and through all and in all. Big, big, big. So that's what's happening spiritually. Physically, you're getting wet. Spiritually, all of your sins are being nailed to the cross and you're being forgiven. So what's the confusion? Some people say, okay, well, it's not important. I think we just kind of showed spiritually that it's it's significant and, and extremely significant. Now, we're saying, hey, if you weren't baptized, you're going to hell. I'm not saying that. All I can tell you is what God says in the scripture. You can interpret it how you want, but it seems pretty important here. But once again, God is the one that ultimately decides who goes to heaven, who goes to hell, and when people die. You got to realize people don't just die and God go, oh, man, he died without being baptized. He died before he confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. God knows. God knows if he would have ever confessed. God knows if they would have ever been baptized. God knows what we don't know. So we can speculate to try to put our relatives in heaven and we can speculate to, to try to get our relatives out of hell. But in the end, we have to live ourselves because we don't know what they did before we were born. We don't know what they said in their last moments, but we do know what we're doing right now. And it'd be a shame if we went to hell because we refused to be baptized and they went to heaven because God knows their heart and their lives. And he knows the opportunities that they had and did not have. Let's not taint what God wants by trying to obscure the truth with our own philosophy of trying to get our grandmama into or out of hell or into heaven or out of hell. Okay. So we know what is physically happening. When you get baptized, you're just getting wet. We know what's spiritually happening. Your, your sins are being nailed to the cross. Seems significant. Now what's the confusion? Some people say, well, you, you baptism is important, but you got to go in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy ghost. And some people go, no, 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 no. You need to go in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only name. You got to go in the name. If it's not in the name of Jesus, like, okay, all right, come on, you two, y'all two just fighting over what is going on over here. So this is, this is, I'm a, Matthew 28. That's where the confusion comes from. So let's go to Matthew 28, verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And people say, you see what Jesus just said right there? Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That means that's exactly how you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's that's my voice right there. In the name of the Father, the Son. <laughs> I don't know where that voice came from. I don't know. It just came. I don't know where that voice came from. But anyway, so baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So people get all twisted up in knots over Matthew 28. But if you really dig, if you really dig, you see Jesus says something else here. Jesus says a lot. You can't just read one scripture. I, you know, I always say context, context, context. If I say I like hot soup on rainy days and you just tell people I like hot soup and everybody starts sending me hot soup and it's, you know, not a rainy day and it's 110 degrees outside. I'm like, man, I really don't want to eat this. I might eat it to be polite, but I really don't want this because you've told them something out of context. Everybody's saying, oh. You know, pastor loves hot soup. Let's send him hot soup. They're like, come on, man. It's, it's 110 degrees out there and the sun is shining bright. You know, that's not the context. You have to have the context of what I'm saying. Hey, I like hot soup on a cold, rainy day. It's 
It's the context that makes the makes the the sentence work that makes the understanding of what my true desire really is. And you have to put it in context. First John five, seven, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the father, the word and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one King James, the father, the word. And you go, man, what do you what do you mean by the word? We're in first John five. But if you just go to John one in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God drop down a few verses and says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's the word? It is Jesus. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the father, Jehovah, the son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So if these three are one, then we only need one name. We don't need titles. Father. Son, what's the son's name? Jesus. Right. We don't need positions, the Holy Ghost or the, the Holy Spirit. We, we need what is the Holy Spirit's name? What is the father's name? What is what is the son's name? To be to, to pull it in a little bit more, John 14. We went, that was first John five. Let's actually go to John, the book of John 14, starting at verse eight. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the father. And it is enough for us. So Philip is saying, hey, you keep talking about this father. You the father sent you. The father is just the father is that the father is that. Show us the father. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you? And yet you have not come to know me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say show us the father? How can you say show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to the father. Critical verse. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, doesn't that kind of sound exactly like Matthew 28? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. Here it's saying, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my command. He's saying, hey, here he says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but teach them to obey me. John 14, he says, hey, my name, but teach them to obey me. Y'all say, okay, well, that's just 50-50. One basically says in Jesus' name. One basically says the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, So that's one one point there, one point on the other side. You could argue that. Or you go argue in one people are doubting him. Matthew 28, the context, people are doubting him. And he's he's trying to make a point that, hey, the father, the Holy Spirit and the son, they're all one. Context, right? 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Matthew 28, the same one that says father, son, the Holy Spirit. But to, to clear it all up, go to Acts 19. Starting at verse one. It happened that while Apollos. Was well, at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? These are disciples, disciplined believers in Jesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, holy smokes. <laughs> that's not really what he said, but that's kind of what you can see where he was kind of thinking. He says, and he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about 12 men. So Paul is astonished. Hold up. You never heard of the Holy Spirit. Then how were you baptized? They say we were baptized in the baptism that John was baptizing. And this is before Jesus, before the death of Jesus, before Jesus. And he kind of goes, good, good, good. You know, jumping Jupiter is good. Gracious man. What are you talking about? Well, let's baptize you correctly. So he baptized them in the name of Jesus, lays hands on them. Then the Holy Spirit falls. When does the Holy Spirit fall? When they're baptized in the name of Jesus. What does Jesus himself say? Ask anything in my name. Part of baptizing people, you're kind of asking for their salvation. Lord, change their life. Lord, move their heart. Lord, guide them in the name of Jesus. He says it. Anything you ask in my name. And I think we went over this in the last podcast. Anything you ask in my name, I will do. Ask in my name, I will do it. Just ask in my name. John 14, just ask. Just ask in my name and I'll do it. So what is what is baptism? What's the so we know what physically you're getting wet. Spiritually, all of your sins are being nailed to the cross. There's a little confusion on in the name of Jesus or just, uh, you know, or Holy Spirit, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I think between first John five, seven, John 14 and Acts 19, we kind of see that it's leaning that we should be baptizing in the name of Jesus. And hey, some people just want to cover both bases. So what they do is they say, I'm um, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the name of Jesus. Hey, why not? That's a good way to cover cover all bases, right? You know, a good way to uh, make sure everything is covered. Let's go to 1 Peter 3, though, and, and just see that salvation through baptism via a clear conscience. Verse 18, for Christ also died for sins once for all. Once for all, once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, doing the construction of the ark in which a few that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from your flesh. Physically, you're just getting wet, but that's not what's saving you. You're not just taking a bath. But an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But an appeal to God for a good conscience. God, give me a good conscience. Clean my slate. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you say, man, baptism, why would why would it be significant 
that baptism gives us a clear conscience. What's the significance of having a clear conscience? Just saying, hey, I've been baptized in the name of Jesus, covered by the blood of Jesus. My conscience is now clear. God has forgiven me for everything I've done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise him in the name of Jesus. What is the what is the great importance of having that clear conscience? Let's go to first John three in the HCSB. It says, dear friends, verse 21, dear friends, if our conscience doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God and can receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands. Man, now we starting to see like a little pattern here because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now, this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. So saying, hey, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're speaking in tongues, you know that God, Jesus Christ is still with you. And if, hey, if you baptize, you have a clear conscience. If you have a clear conscience, you can ask God for anything in the name of Jesus and he'll go and do it. Kind of goes back to John 14. Whatever you ask in my name that I will do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. It's kind of a theme here. Get baptized. You have a clean conscience. You can ask God for anything in the name of Jesus. You ask God for anything in the name of Jesus. He will give it to you. And what can you do then? You can teach other people about Jesus and baptize them in the name of Jesus, clearing their conscience and giving them access to God to ask anything that they desire in the name of Jesus that lines up with the Bible, giving them the power of heaven. Why do they why can they command the power of heaven? Because they have a clean conscience. They're not worried about what they did last year or six months ago or yesterday because their conscience is clear because they're covered by the blood of Jesus. And thus they can ask for anything they want in the name of Jesus. And you see how that cycle goes on. And it goes on and on. And I'm sorry. Never mind. That was that was kind of a inadvertent shout out um, to Erica Badu, um, who's a secular artist. But. I really like that song. Um, hey, can y'all edit that part out of? No, you can't edit that out. Okay. Well, I guess that's like a penny with a hole in it. Okay. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm recording this at like roughly 2 a.m. So I'm a little goofy right now. But the baptism, getting back, baptism, is it necessary? Kind of necessary, right? Because physically, you're just getting wet. Spiritually, all of your sins are being nailed to the cross. All of your sins are being nailed to the cross and being forgiven. Colossians 2, Ephesians 4. Okay, so do we baptize in Jesus' name or do we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? If you really don't know, baptize in both. But 1 John 5, 7, John 14, Acts 19, kind of lean toward baptizing in the name of Jesus. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Before that, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, if if, if that means if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. In that case, I'm going to baptize someone in your name. Because I'm going to ask you to save their soul. I'm going to ask you to love them. I'm going to ask you to keep them. I'm going to ask you to guide them. I'm going to ask you to bless them. I'm going to ask you to cover them. I'm going to ask you to bless their children. I'm going to ask you to forgive their sins. And I need you to do it. And you say you'll do it if I ask in your name. So is it important? Yeah. Baptizing in the name of Jesus is important. 
Seems like it. And then after they're baptized, what does that person do? Now they have a clear conscience. And what does that clear conscience allow them to do? That allows them to now to ask for things in Jesus' name and to be given to them. Powerful stuff. Is baptism important? Yeah. That guy's grandmother going to hell because she wasn't baptized? Levi Johnny Griffin doesn't know. But I do know that baptism is important. And we should base our faith off of what the Bible says and not how we want to make and shape the world in our own personal worldview. God knows best and God loves people. He, he's a lot more compassionate than we are. He's a lot more loving than we are. and He's a lot more knowledgeable than we are. So let's not try to figure this out from a, from our own personal view to make it make sense to us. God has been around for billions of years. He created something out of nothing. I think he has a trying to figure out what he's thinking and trying to be on his level. We'll never be there. We'll never be there. All, only thing we can do at that point is dumb things down to us and we'd just be greatly wrong. It's like a we tell a three year old, don't go play in the road. And he says, well, that doesn't make sense. The, the fun is in the road. The ball rolled in the road. So let me figure out how I can make this work. I'm like, dude, you, you're not going to understand it until you get to that level. And in our case, when we get to heaven, we'll understand a lot more, but we still won't be God. So we have to still trust our father that he knows what is best for us, that he's blessing us, that he loves us. Uh, and if he says, hey, get baptized, it's like nailing your sins to the cross with Jesus. Then we just have to say, you know what? I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to tell people to get baptized. Uh, if Jesus says, hey, ask anything in my name and I'll do it, then we just have to believe that, hey, if we ask in Jesus name, then he's going to do it. They know a little bit more than us. Let's go with that. Love you guys. Listen, I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion, and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.